Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Episode 4, the final episode of our special series on Coming Back Stronger, sponsored by Microsoft. Now, what we've been talking about in this series is resilience. Resilience to get us through the pandemic and then to support us longer term. So we've talked about what companies can do to set good policies around work. This is in the post-pandemic world. We've talked about workers can do to build resilience themselves. We've talked about what post-secondary institutions can do, and that is to keep us skilled and reskilled over the longer term. So episodes one to three contain those discussions, and they were really good ones. So I'd urge you to go back and listen to them if you have not already. Today, though, we're talking about resilience from a slightly different angle, which is what organizations have done during the pandemic to build a resilient workforce and and what they can do going forward. Are there ways to create resilient workers? It seemed to be to our advantage to do that. According to a study published by PwC, programs that foster a resilient and mentally healthy workplace return $2.30 for every dollar spent, with the returns coming in the form of lower healthcare costs, higher productivity, lower absenteeism, and decreased turnover, so things that companies are trying to get all the time. So to talk about all of this and how it's played out during the pandemic for her company, we're joined today by Laura Root. Now, she's Chief People Officer at CBI Health. She talks about how CBI Health has had to pivot during the pandemic and how their workers have really stepped up to do that. So it's a really good discussion. Stay with us. Well, resilience is defined as our ability to adapt and bounce back when things don't go as planned. And it's certainly been a year of things not going as planned for all of us. And unfortunately, it's not over yet. So as we move into this next and hopefully final stage of the pandemic, we have to keep adapting. And that includes adapting at work. Now, to talk about how we can do this and to share some of what her company has done, you know, she's learned things over the course of the pandemic, we're joined by Laura Root. She's the Chief People Officer with CBI Health, and she joins us now from Toronto. Hi, Laura. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for joining us. We have a lot to talk about, but you know, I always like to start by asking guests about their own backgrounds. How did you get to be in this career where you're talking about the trends? Did you always plan this? You know, I went to university uh, for sociology, and I've always been fascinated uh, with the complexity of people. And so um, HR, I think, is a natural place for me to to work and is, is you know, a real passion for me. And you're with CBI Health. Let's talk about a little bit about what they do and where they fit in the healthcare space, because even before the pandemic, it was a company that was innovating. Yes, Absolutely. So CBI CBI Health is a national um, community healthcare provider of over 12,000 employees in over 800 communities across Canada. And we primarily have two lines of of business or business units. One is rehabilitation services, and that's all about recovery and bringing people back to a positive state, both physically and mentally. And that part of our business includes um, hundreds of physiotherapists, um, occupational therapists, psychologists and kinesiologists. The other part of our business is our home health business, which is about 9,000 employees, PSWs, working in people's homes or congregate settings. 
And we also employ nurses and language pathologists. So innovation really has always been a part of who we are at CBI Health. And in fact, we have a VP of innovation, uh, Denise Swartz, who leads our innovation team and, and really comes up with the big ideas to make sure that we at CBI Health stay a leader in our space. So you have a lot of moving parts there. Before the pandemic, was resilience something that you talked about? Because, I mean, it's a word that corporations use, but it matters, uh, particularly doing the things you do. So was there a move before this to create a resilient organization? You know, resilience has always been top of mind for us from a client perspective. So we obviously support a lot of clients with mental health struggles or people trying to get back to work. It's a key pillar in all of our care models. However, once the pandemic hit, we knew that we needed not only to you know, adapt to the change, but to bounce back and to support our employees in the same manner that we'd be supporting our clients. So we moved quickly to support um, our employees. And you know, an example would be by the time the pandemic hit Canada in March, by the middle of April, we'd launched a mini series on resilience for all of our leaders. And at that time, our resilience experts were busy, as you can appreciate, working with um, our leaders and our clients, trying to navigate all the changes that were happening at the clinic level, like the lockdowns and the PPE requirements and the client expectations. So I actually engaged um, an external consultant I'd worked with in a previous organization, and she helped us to build six sessions around resilience with supporting videos on topics like resilience, managing overwhelm and fear you know, leading through change and many more. And so what we did was we hosted them as lunch and learns and we also recorded them and we really met people where they were. So our employees and our leaders could join these sessions to really help them in those very early days of the pandemic. Well, that's really interesting, Laura. What kind of response did you get from people? You know, we, we do measure everything that we do uh, in our business, and we had consistent 9 out of 10 ratings from our employees and our leaders. They were, I think, so grateful um, you know, for the support. They actually came to us, my HR team, asking for help. And so we just all felt like it was the right thing to do at, at the right time. It was the right investment to make in each other. It's really interesting that you actively tried to build it early. Even before that, and I'm interested in asking this because you're an HR leader, is there a way to look for workers who have the traits that will let them get through these kind of crises? I mean, obviously, we know about a pandemic, but there's always something. Do you look specifically for workers who will be resilient, or is that just something you try and develop when you find the right person? You know, it's interesting. In other organizations, I would say yes to you. However, in this organization at CBI Health, you know, our CEO, John Hantho, always says it takes a special kind of person to work in healthcare. And healthcare draws people who it's in their very nature to care and who have that real spark for helping people and for making a difference in people's lives. And the passion, I'm sure all of us, you know, it's pretty easy to see. You see, you know, you see healthcare workers light up when they're talking about their work or their clients. And being in healthcare, though, it's also part of our DNA to be resilient because you have to be able to deal with incredible adversity and setbacks. Sometimes, despite everything, we all know that things don't go as planned or don't go well. And client paths aren't usually a straight line. And, and that can be really tough. So we found that, um, you know, that drive, that fundamental drive that that drives our healthcare people is, is bigger than any obstacle. And so I wouldn't say that resilience is something that we look for per se, but it's definitely something that exists already 
um, you know, intrinsically in our workers. All right, let's talk about those setbacks or failures, really, because you're going to have those in any situation, any workplace. When you have a project that doesn't go as planned and you have to get your workers through that, are there specific things you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I've tried to do um, on my teams uh, throughout my career and then here at CBI Health is really create a safe but accountable space for our employees. And what I do often and what our ELT does is share our mistakes. And I know that might sound crazy, but we all do make mistakes. And so what we do is we share them. And what that does is it, it really models um, us being vulnerable so that our people know it's okay to share our mistakes. And then we learn from our mistakes and then we end up helping each other be better. And so, you know, really what we focus on um, at CBI Health is failing fast supporting each other through it, and then moving on and being successful. So we really see as, you know, see mistakes and failing as, as an integral part of, of our process to be better. That's interesting. You know, it kind of accepting it and learning from it instead of perhaps chastising people for how it went. Um, let's talk about the different kinds of resilience, though, because you're talking about projects that fail, which obviously happens to every single organization or big things. But, you know, we're dealing with something different right now. We're dealing with people being home, facing different challenges, having to get through, maybe not seeing their colleagues in person for a really long period of time, get through all the little challenges you have when you're not in an office and you are at your home office. That's a, That takes a different kind of resilience, right? Now, how do you build that? How do you support workers through that part, that thing? Well, we knew early on that this pandemic was not going to go away quickly. And, and we really, have, have, from the beginning, um, viewed this as more of a marathon than a sprint. And we knew that we had to help people keep gas in their tank for this long haul. And so that second sort of resilience that you talk about, the day-to-day kind, is absolutely a concern for us today, and, and especially as the pandemic is stretching on. And so what we've done is do a number of things to really help support our employees starting with um, working remotely. So that that really has been transformative for us. And we worked very closely with Microsoft to implement uh, their Teams platform. And so that really, um, you know, provided the opportunity for people to continue to be productive and to continue to stay connected, you know, through this very isolating um, time. We also pivoted our, um, uh, sorry, we expanded our executive leadership team early in early days to make sure that we had, you know, uh, leaders, the ELT, which is the executive leadership team across the country, um, participating in our meetings. And this just ensured that we were, you know, getting up to date information on a timely basis and allowed for even further collaboration. What we also did was have more virtual team meetings um, versus what we were doing prior to the pandemic. And so again, it just really increased that connectivity. And then lastly, what we did, and I spoke a little bit about that, is um, you know, we provided um, some leadership training um, to really help support our, our leaders to get their arms around their employees and make sure they were identifying issues and actioning issues in a timely basis. And can you give us some examples of how this has worked particularly well or things that you maybe had to rethink as you went through? Yeah, so I think, you know, how it's it's worked is, you know, it is a, a very, very collaborative and connected team. And so what we've what we've done is we've ended up having, you know, increased numbers of team meetings and town halls 
to ensure that our employees, you know, have an opportunity to participate in, in decisions that we stay connected, you know, to what's happening in the business. Um, we've also developed um, some communications on um, a monthly basis. Um, we're calling them here to help communications. And this really came from our employees. They needed help. And if you can believe at the very beginning, you know, how to go to the grocery store and, and shop safely, um, you know, communications around positive thinking and sleep hygiene, exercise, um, kindness and managing stress. And so what we've done is we've opened up a communication, open up communications with our employees. And, you know, that can be that can be overwhelming, but I think it's worked really well because it's allowed us to react very quickly to what they need and to provide content and support and training that will help them, you know, on a day to day basis. It's interesting. It reminds me how far we've come in this pandemic. We talk about the beginning of it, the grocery shopping. It seems like a long time ago. It does. <laughs> uh, Laura, stay with us. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and discuss more of this, particularly some of the things around the pandemic. Microsoft 365 is designed to help you achieve more with innovative office apps, intelligent cloud services, and world-class security. Get work done with productivity solutions and stay connected with your employees and clients whether you're working remotely or on-site. Microsoft 365 allows you to safeguard your business data with a cloud platform that offers built-in security features for remote and hybrid work. Visit aka.ms forward slash m365forbiz, that is F-O-R-B-I-Z, to learn more about Microsoft 365 for Business. Okay, let's come back to the pandemic. You know, you've really had to pivot in or- as an organization. You very quickly moved to a virtual model. Tell us how you did that. You know, what were the biggest challenges? Yes. So for our heroes, and they truly are heroes in our home health team, working from home is not an option for them. As you can appreciate, our thousands of PSWs and our other community healthcare workers continued and continue to go into the community and into people's homes to deliver the in-person care that our clients depend on. So the biggest pivot I would say came for our rehabilitation services team and the vast majority of that uh, team and our clinics were temporarily closed for in-person treatment for a couple of months way back when the pandemic took hold initially in the spring. However, as with home health, you know, you can appreciate that you can't stop seeing clients, you know, those suffering from pain and mental health issues, uh, people have a decreased function and mobility, neurological issues, post-operative complications. We can't ask them to wait until the end of the pandemic before they receive treatment. So what we did was, quite frankly, found our solution in technology. And I just spoke about partnering with Microsoft uh, within a week uh, with the exceptional uh, partnering of our Microsoft team and the leadership of our IT team. We deployed Teams, which is their audio video collaboration platform, in an, in a week to our entire company. And of course, you know we had um, you know further challenges that we had to make sure that this was secure and private since we're dealing with healthcare data. And then at the same time, we created brand new virtual programs and care models that would work for staff and clients. And so we quickly worked with our staff and our clients to train them on this new way of working and new way of receiving care. We had to work with our government agencies and our regulatory colleges to show that this model could work and really to gain their confidence. And then the rehab teams moved to approximately 90% virtual care during the early peak of the pandemic. And now, while our clinics obviously have been allowed to reopen for in-person treatment, 
our virtual care and telehealth remains a critical part of the way we deliver care. And what it what it allows us to do is to really customize care so that our clients and our employees, you know, feel safe. So you've done all this and you're rolling it out to all of your employees. I'm sure some of, some of them are, you know, more than comfortable with the tech and moving on. But did you find that there were others who were either resistant or had more difficulties getting from where they were to where they needed to be? Yes. Yeah, we did. And so, you know, what we did was take an entirely personalized view and we have, we have done this across the company uh, in our corporate groups, uh, within our business lines. And, you know, we're, we're obviously, um, you know, supporting our leaders um, to help coach and develop and, and have better conversations with their employees. But we've also, you know, spent a lot of time on care and kindness and making sure that, you know, we're helping individuals through, through these changes. And I would say I'm so incredibly proud um, of how the entire team is pulled together. Um, both internally working together and being even more productive, I think, than we were prior to the pandemic, and then the exceptional care that we continue to offer our clients. You know, the pandemic's obviously a bad thing. We can't, you know, say that it's not. But we sometimes talk about good stress and bad stress. So in terms of what this has done to your organization and your workers, where would you put it on the scale? It's a subjective question. Well, it's pretty bad. I would say it's pretty (laughs) bad. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. Um, I think we're all feeling this is unprecedented, um, difficult, um, you know, dealing with. If you think about all the personal stress that everyone's dealing with from being isolated from, you know, our friends and our family and people we love, keeping our kids safe, keeping ourselves safe, dealing with the lockdown, dealing with, you know, the, the social distancing, people getting sick. I think all of this has exacerbated for us um, the stress about staying safe at work. And so many of our staff are essential workers, and that means they have to keep going into the community and keep going into people's homes. And they're worried about keeping themselves safe as well as their, their clients. And so I think the pandemic really, bottom line, has, has really helped us to accelerate our innovation journey um, and create new care models for our clients, new programs to support our people. I think it's a more caring organization, a more kind organization. And I think that these are the things that are going to be here long after the pandemic is gone. Well, that's a good thing. But, you know, all of the challenges you talk about brings us back to the idea of resilience. Now, I was looking up how people define this. And there's some research done by a psychologist named Susan Cabasa. She says there's three elements to it. Challenge. Resilient people view a difficulty as a challenge, a challenge, not a paralyzing event. Commitment. Resilient people are committed to their lives and their goals, and they have a propelling reason to get out of bed in the morning. And personal control. Resilient people spend their time and energy focusing on situations and events that they have control over. Now, how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that kind of characterization? Yeah, I really do agree. And I am familiar with, with her work. And on the three elements, I, I'd like to provide an example um, and really focus on, you know, our rehab business. I think that, you know, from a challenge perspective, the pandemic could have easily been viewed as a paralyzing event. And, and maybe people were paralyzed for a minute or two. But the team, you know, as I've been speaking to you about this, is highly collaborative. It's a, a very agile team. And we collectively rose to that challenge. From a commitment perspective, again, I think it comes back to, you know, those special kind of people who work in healthcare, 
And I think that's been the element that's most at play for us is that our people have that innate desire to help others and that's their driving purpose. So they're not going to let our clients down. They're not going to let each other down. And I think that goes back to viewing this as a challenge versus a paralyzing event. And then I think lastly, personal control, you know, so many things are out of our control right now. And if I think about our rehabilitation services, you know, whether physio was counted as an essential service, um, we didn't know the answer to that. Um, And so we didn't know whether we could perform in-person, you know, care or not. So our team spent a lot of time preparing for the fact that, you know, we might be shut down, which we ended up being shut down for a couple of weeks. And so this element is also where, you know, we're able to provide some additional support through our own internal programs, you know, to our employees like Better Me and Here to Help. And so those are the changes that really, um, you know, help employees and help our clients feel like they have more control in a situation that sometimes feels like it's spinning out of control. Yeah, it's interesting because as challenging and difficult and awful it's been for the healthcare sector, at least they kind of understand, people who work there understand why they're doing it. You can see you know, the reason to get out of bed, who you're helping. I think in other organizations, maybe it's more clouded. So you probably have people who, are, who at least can see that part of it. Let's talk about life after the pandemic, because we have to believe that in 2021, we're going to be in a different place sometime, whether earlier or later in the year. But, you know, the economy and the world are going to keep changing. We had challenges long before we ever heard of COVID-19, demographics, competition, and um, an economy that's going to be in recovery mode next year. What will that mean for organizations? And of course, your organization how much of evolution and implementing technology technology and just changing things up do you see for the next year or years? Yes. So I think, you know, prior to the pandemic, what I would always say and what I learned was the only constant in business is change. And so I think that the pandemic has clearly amplified that. And I don't think it's that's going to change going forward. Um, you know, we at CBI Health, we want to be, our goal is to be the best place to work in healthcare. So we need to keep innovating and, you know, we need to, and, and we want to attract the best and the brightest in, in this, in this sector. And so, you know, this really, um, you know, challenges us to continue to be flexible, you know, to create supportive programs, um, to implement technologies that attract and retain and, um, and develop our employees. And most specifically, I think that, you know, after the pandemic, if, if we can ever think think that far into the future, I hope it won't be too long. But I think that, you know, it's the silver lining is that we're now much more flexible. We used to be focused on just staffing for a geography. And now we have the ability, you know, to be much more flexible for, you know, where our great talent works and allowing people to work from geographies that make sense for them personally. I think also portability is is key. So we're rolling out the Microsoft uh, Surface tablets in our rehab network, so our clinics are, and our clinicians can seamlessly, you know, move from working in the clinic and working from home when it makes sense for them. And then I think you know new digital first projects like app based scheduling software for our mobile home health teams and client portal for booking uh, rehab appointments are going to be transformative. So I do think technology has has really you know democratized the the workforce and I think it's um, it's it's really encouraged um, we as businesses to think far more flexibly and accommodate um, a diversity of, of employees and, and needs 
It's interesting that you mentioned that you want to attract the, attract the best and the brightest. That's something we've almost stopped talking about because it's all about the pandemic. But before that, I mean, there was a war for talent. And I assume, like everyone else, you were, you were working hard to find the best people. Absolutely. So it's, it is a, you know, when I started working in HR 25 years ago, we heard about the war for talent. I don't think it's ever, it's ever changed. I think that, you know, especially these days, you know, great people um, have the ability to choose to a certain extent where they work. And so it's really incumbent upon organizations um, to, you know, to really um, invest in their employees to build a culture that is, is attractive and, and really provide an opportunity for employees um, to be their best and to grow and develop. And you mentioned having the technology. Is that something for younger workers? Are they looking for organizations that have cutting edge technology or is it everyone? I think it's, you know, I think for sure that younger workers, I have a 17 year old um, in my home in grade 12 and, um, and she's, she's grown up with much different technology than I have, but I know that we both, um, my daughter and I both have the same expectations so I think it's, you know, technology, again, is, is something that is transformative and an appeal for, for people of all generations. As we move forward, you know, all generations are going to continue dealing with stress. Do you have a plan for helping them? Is it going to be the same plan as you had during the pandemic or are things going to change up? You know, I think we, um, we've started um, a, very, a very good and very thorough um, assessment and, you know, lucky for CBI Health, we have an in-team, um, an in-house team of mental health experts that we've been leveraging, obviously, uh, very assertively with our clients. And now we've been able to tap into them, you know, for our employees. And so I think the programs that we've developed, like the Here to Help sessions, the Better Me sessions, the training that we've done, the leadership training, um, I think will, will absolutely continue. As well, you know, we've tried to stay as flexible as possible with scheduling and working from home. So I think that will definitely continue. And I think we've really tried to drive home the importance of connecting with our teams, even if virtually, to celebrate successes, find, you know, ways of removing challenges, you know, for the team, helping people keep in touch. You know, we just had some holiday um, celebrations uh, via Teams, which worked out really well. Okay, let's go forward. This is all over. Your organization will be a different world, but so will everyone else's. What do you think we will have learned as an economy and as organizations? You, know, you mentioned some of the things you'll see from yours, but like, do you think we'll be a different place? You know, I think that, I think we will be. I think absolutely. I think the world is changing. Business is changing. I think we've been able to, you know, many businesses, uh, CBI Health included, to show how we can pivot and how we can adapt to an unprecedented challenging situation, you know, specifically for our rehab clinicians, I think that virtual care and telehealth is here to stay in some form. I think about the way that I, you know, my own physician, um, I'm dealing with my own physician when I, you know, when I have a, a medical issue, so it's all virtual and telehealth. So I think that will, that will stay. Um, I think there are many positives for both clients and staff. You know, we don't have, the commutes that we've had in the past, you know, there are no waiting rooms that we have to sit in any longer right now. Um, you know, we can get safe. Um, we can get safe uh, support and help with the from the comfort of our own home. You know, we can provide better support um, for those in rural communities and easier access to specialists in different parts of the company. And I think we've talked a lot about flexibility for office staff. 
while I, while I think that we will return to the office, and I do think it's important that we can't replace in-person experiences completely with full work from home, um, I think it is important for us to come together for different reasons in person. But I don't think that, you know, within CBI Health or maybe even in the broader um, business perspective, I don't think you're going to see people requiring to be in the office um, where they don't have to be, you know, nine to five, five days a week. Yeah, lots of change ahead. Laura, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you. It's, it's been great. Laura Root is Chief People Officer at CBI Health. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Laura and about CBI Health, please check out our show notes. You're going to find some information and links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did enjoy our discussion, please leave a rating or review for us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll really help people to find this and help us continue these discussions around the future of work. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks, as always, to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.